Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Stevenson. My guest today is Rebecca, who owns Windsor Carriages, and it's steeped in history and tradition, as Rebecca's going to share her journey of her family over the years, of when they were first Hackney Carriages, to what they do today, which is drive around the grounds of Windsor Castle and giving tours of the beautiful Windsor Park. Some of Rebecca's horses are over 30 years old and they've been with them since the early days. In fact, Rebecca's grown up with them. So she's going to share the story of her horses and the history of Windsor Carriages. This is Horse Hour. Well, I hope you've had a good week with your horse. Thank you for coming back to the Horse Hour podcast. If you've ever been to London, you will see the most beautiful horses. I mean, they're black, they've got long manes, and they've got the most gorgeous, gorgeous carriages following them behind. And you can actually go for rides and take in the scenery. And as a little girl, I've had this dream of of having my black beauty horse, which I now have called Blackjack, and uh, keeping him in a beautiful field in a castle around a castle and that would just be the ultimate however I've got the black horse but I'm not going to get the castle because I haven't married a prince but my guest today gets to do that every single day she gets to ride the carriages around Windsor Castle Rebecca how are you hi Amy how are you I'm very well. I'm so, so excited to speak to you. Um, We were introduced because you own Windsor Carriages and and you do get to drive your horses around the beautiful grounds of Windsor every single day. Yeah, it is a pretty dream job. It's something we love to do and we've done for many years. And yeah, it's every girl's dream, really. Get to hang out with my horses all day. Oh, amazing. (laughs) And get paid for it. And on top of that, it's your company. Well, yeah, family business. So I'm one of two sisters and a brother. So family business. Um, Dad uh, ran it for 50 years before me. Um, I took it over, well, started to apprentice probably, well, apprentice about 30 years ago, but uh, got more and more involved uh, about three, four years ago. So now, yeah, now it's me with my sisters and lots of people helping as well. That's so lovely. So it still stayed within the family. And did you know when you were younger that you always wanted to work with horses? Um, No, I think... I think when you, I loved having the horses. We obviously grew up with it. Uh, we had a livery yard at home, so we always had horses on the yard, polo and eventing. Mum um, organised and still does organise lots of horse trials. Does she? Which would, would we know them? Which ones? Uh, the Smith Lawn Horse Trials in Windsor Great Park. Oh, amazing. You know it? Yeah, yes. it's a really, really good uh, novice and pre-novice event in August. She's been doing that for, gosh, I think I think nearly 30 years. Wow. My sister will correct me, but uh, yes, and she helps at Aston Laws as well. 
She helps organise events um, up there in Banbury. Uh, so really horsey family. Uh, but when you're working it as a family, everyone mucks in and we just you take it for granted, really, don't you, having ponies growing up? Uh, so never thought it was something I'd do um, in my adult life. Um, but it's something I really enjoy doing now. Yeah, it's definitely a dream. Very lucky. You are really lucky. And I've been following you on Instagram and I was just mesmerised by your photos. And you've been kind enough to put up some photos behind. I can actually see you because I'm really lucky because I get to go into your home and (laughs) see you in your comfortable home environment and and the little things that make your life your life. And behind you are two of the most just beautiful photos. Can you explain to me the one on your left? Sure. So uh, the the thing about the the pictures is that's the really important part. Um, It's obviously lovely working with horses, but what we do has so much heritage and so much history behind it with the Hackney Carriages. Um, Part of the reason we love continuing it is is because what Dad did, it's what Grandpa did, it's what Great Uncle George did. They all drove the carriages. Um, And it's just lovely to keep going. So all these little artefacts that you see are what's really important. So um, the one on my left is my father and I driving on the long walk. Um, the horses you can see there are Minos and Hector. They're Welsh cob brothers. Um, they are in their mid thirties. Wow! So we, could talk, we could talk about older horses. Yeah. So carriage driving is definitely something that's very good for horses, um, as you can see, because they've been driving on the long walk for twenty-seven years. Um, so they also are pony club ponies. All us children mm. um, rode them all through pony club. Um, and they also drove me at my wedding. Did um, they? So, yeah, and, and also they're one of their biggest accolades. Obviously, they did all the horse shows, the Windsor Horse Show and the coaching classes with Dad. Um, but Dad also drove these two particular horses all the way to Cornwall from Windsor. No way. In five days, yes, for charity in 1996, which we're enormously proud of. Yeah, five days. Obviously, they rested in, in the evenings and took it comfortably, but they did do it. That's um, amazing. Yeah, on one set of shoes as well. So when you when you hear people getting worried about journey times, and yeah, think about Minos and Hector and their little little trip and back in the nineties. Yeah, and um, uh, let me please let me ask you on that. Did they? I mean, how did you get there? You can't go on motorways. Yes, he went all down the back roads. Yeah, there's been talk that we should continue it uh, at some, you know, do it, repeat it at some mm. point. But uh, yeah, back in the days of the maps before Google Maps, all planned looking at the old coaching routes. So they went through all the old coaching towns, staying at the old coach houses and pubs. Um, and the mayor of each um, town would come out and talk to dad. And it was mm. great because they, uh, in some towns, they'd reopen some of the old roads that um, were now a farmer's field. But the farmer would come out and say, we need to take this route. You'll get there quicker. <laughs> so they sort of went a bit off, off course. Um, but, yeah, it's lovely. All um, all the old roads. So yeah, no motorways. Oh, that's and, and And no support vehicles either, which I find funny. So they had everything on the carriage they needed, all the horse feed, all their supplies, waterproofs, the rugs. You know, spare shoes should they need it, everything, which uh, nowadays I'd want seven Land Rovers yeah. surrounding me <laughs> with everything I need. And a caravan or a horse box, or a horse box to sleep in. <laughs> yeah, and I'd want about three months to do it. But uh, yeah, no, that's what they used to do in the old days. So dad said, you know, we should do it again as a, as a taxi. Where did they sleep in the evening? They'd just be stabled. Well, they they live out, so dad found stabling all the way down there. So they had stable should they need it. But no, every night they were just out in the paddocks. Oh, how lovely. Um, yeah, it's good for them um, because obviously they're moving and they're walking, so they're um, keeping themselves limber. Mm. Um, if you put them in a stable after a day like that, it's probably the worst thing. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, it's good for them. 
How lovely. Uh, um, so th- these photos, we're going to share them on Twitter so that when you're listening, and we'll put them on our website, horsehour.co.uk, and we'll put them on our Instagram as well so that as you're listening, you can scroll through and see some of these photos because they really are stunning. Now, the one to your right, Rebecca, is your grandfather. And these horses are very different to, to Hector in your others. In fact, we can see Hector on your website, can't we? If we go to um, yes, your website, which is what, windsorcarriages.co.uk? Yeah, that's one. Yeah, so we can see them riding there. But but the one with your grandfather, so was it your grandfather and Uncle George that originally set up the company? No, no. Um, Dad set up the company, uh, but the licensing that we hold and continue to operate under is what goes all the way back through the generations, all the way back. Uh, well, I can trace it back to about 1849. Wow. So I can trace every hackney carriage driver that drove on the license that we have from 1849. Um, but prior to that, the license goes all the way back to 1662, Act of Parliament, Oliver Cromwell. Um, that's when carriages were licensed. So that's when the, the Parliament decided that they needed to start regulating the operation, mm-hmm. regulating the harness, the harness, the carriages, the drivers, and the number of carriages that were working in the towns. Um, and that regulation stands today, pretty much. That Those are the same licences um, that you see on black cabs in London. Because they're called hackney cabs and you were your hackney carriages. It's the same thing, hackney carriages. They're a hackney carriage. If you look on the back of their motor vehicle, they'll have a, a sign similar to this one saying hackney carriages. And it's exactly the same. So um, every hackney carriage that was on a carriage back in the day mm. um, has eventually moved onto a motor car so in Windsor that happened in 1907 so we can see from our records in 1907 licenses began moving one by one from carriages to cars Mm. and so depleted the operation of carriages so when my dad was a a child back in uh, about 1950 dad remembers there being almost 20 carriages when I was younger there were only three left oh no so you know, but as my dad would say, um, it's quicker to just turn the engine off and put the car in a garage than the three or so hours, as anyone with a horse knows, of putting them to bed at night. Yeah. Um, so that's why, purely economic reason, make more money from a car, I suppose. Mm. And, and you're now the last standing hackney carriages in London? Well, we're the last hackney carriage um, originating with that original licence that I know of in the country. I'd love someone to tell me if there's anyone else because we've been looking for some time. There are lots of other operations like the horses that pull the canal boats over in Guildford. There are, there are quite a few other, not hackney carriages, but historic companies that still use horses, mm. um, which is lovely to see. But the hackney carriages, yeah, I'm not aware. There's one other actually down in Devon. There's a chap who, on at Land's End at the Lizard, they do some uh, carriage trips down there. And that's got some sort of heritage within Cornwall. But in terms of the Hackney carriages in England and the licensing, um, going back to 1662, I'm not aware of anyone else that still operates with one. So what about the people then, like, um, there's some people in the New Forest, um, that they take people on day trip, or, or, or on like a trip for like an hour. Is that considered as a Hackney carriage? Um, well, I think we all probably offer very similar trips where you get in the carriage and you have a lovely tour. Mm. But um, I, I don't know them, but I, I would imagine they're regulated in, an, in another way, maybe by their local council, um, by the New Forest themselves. Um, there are lots of new licences that you can get. 
So a friend of mine, um, she started a company up in Oxford um, doing carriage trips. So she just applied to the council and they gave her a new license. So mm-hmm. there's still licensing that exists to ensure there's regulation, um, but but none that go back all that way that we can trace um, specifically really as well to the long walk. That's our sort of USP. What, what's um, the long walk? So the long walk is the drive, really, that stretches from Windsor Castle all the way into Windsor Great Park. Uh, it's about 2.6 miles long. It's built by King Charles II. And when, if you picture Windsor Castle, if you know it, it's the view that you're picturing oh. with that long driveway all the way up. Um, so back in... Uh, about, about, about 1850, any hackney carriage in England was given permission to start using the Long Walk and using the Great Park. Mm. Um, so that's really our USP. So we started doing that. That's what's happened on our, on our license. And now um, that's what we continue to do. Um, and it's a very, very special trip. Um, we limit it just to one carriage. So it's quite an intimate experience. We do lots of couples trips and proposals. And we take people from Windsor Castle down the Long Walk into the Great Park. And then we can take people on further tours through the Great Park as well into the Deer Park. Oh, um, oh. And to see lots of commemorative statues throughout the park. It's a very beautiful, magical place. And it's a wonderful way to see it by horse and carriage. Well, it sounds really majestic, and I'd quite like to pretend that I was a princess for a day if I'm driving down the long walk. You know, you do yeah. you do take yourself off into another little world, don't you? Yeah, it, absolutely. It just it just looks purely it just looks amazing, and um, I'm fascinated to know more about about the name because the name Windsor is connected with the royal family. So, do you have to get permission to have that name? Back in 1849, the park was completely closed off to the, to the Hackney carriages and we, we had to go around the park. And when um, Queen Victoria built the, well, she didn't build it, but when she had um, the Albert Road built, she also had a bridge between Windsor and Datchet pulled down. She had a big redesign of the town and it created quite a big problem for the Hackney carriages um, because it created meant their routes would be a lot longer. Mm. Um, so she gave them special, special permission to use the Long Walk and to use the Great Park. And that wasn't a right bestowed just to us. That was a right bestowed to any um, anyone with this Hackney Carriage Licence. Um, it just so happens that we now, as time's moved on and those licences have moved on to cars, um, you know, Dad, over the last probably 30 years, I think, has been the only one. Um, when I was a child, there was a... Um, two brothers called the Ford brothers who lived just outside Windsor who had um, a beautiful black beauty type uh, mare you talked mm. about that beauty absolutely stunning with a show vehicle um, and they always oh, sociable but very very beautiful uh, and they would come in and they had a Hackney carriage license so they would come in and sit on the cab rank the taxi rank where you see the modern cars now yeah. they would come in and sit behind dad and then there'd be George with his land door so you'd have three carriages lined up and they'd just be waiting just for taxi trips oh wow um, but they supplemented the taxi work with doing the tourist trips as well into the Great Park and down the Long Walk. Mm. Um, so it's a mix of both. So we've done a lot of research about the Hackney carriage drivers because it's fascinating to see how this has moved on. Um, and we're going to work with the Windsor Eaton Museum to do an exhibition, um, hopefully next year, where we're going to tell the stories of all these Hackney carriage drivers because it really is quite fascinating to, to learn more about them. Yeah, and you wonder a, where are they now? 
Well, yes. Yeah, where are they now? Where are their families? I often wonder, do their, do their families as of today know that their, their, their great-great-grandfather was a hackney carriage driver? I don't know if, they, if they, that family history exists. I'd love to hear from people that, that have that connection. Yeah, because all the films that we've seen, and we, you know, we can go through history and, and do it the proper way and go through books. Most of us are probably quite ignorant and watch a load of films. Um, through the films, you see them... They, they, it was tough, you know? We talk about the weather now... And you're getting minus degrees and they were out there in any weather with the horses, freezing cold. You know, it's not like today's equality, you know, it wasn't like that. And you've got the mega rich people that are calling on the taxis, making them wait for hours. And and I just used to feel for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, my dad would say you could warm your hands up uh, with the nostrils of the under the horse's nostrils. You'd warm your hands up as a coachman while you were waiting for your fare to come out. Um, but yeah, I often say that uh, people say, "Oh, you're so lucky to do what you do now," and I'm enormously lucky. Um, as a founder, we're enormously lucky to still do this and get to share it. And obviously, it's a really pleasurable job for us because we do it in the summer now. It's very much a tourist trade. Mm. Um, we don't do too much business. We do as much as the, the horses want to do, and it's completely in our control with the exception of the weather it's going to be nice and sunny but yes you go back to even just 30 years ago for for our family for dad um he had to go in every single day rain or shine and he he had the land door which is the model behind that you see which has got the hood that you could close so even Mm. when it was raining and blistering cold you'd get inside um and yeah he had to go rain or shine and we only do what we do now because those drivers carried did that for so many years um for over 160 years uh really earning their trade making their money we're very fortunate um that we don't have that pressure now absolutely Um, it's much more enjoyable on a beautiful sunny day (laughs) (laughs) definitely so you do you must do other things that no i know what i was going to ask you have you met the queen I grew up in Windsor Great Park and I went to the village school in Windsor Great Park um, and the, the royal family are very involved uh, in the Great Park. Uh, Prince Philip is the ranger of Windsor Great Park. So oh, he's really? still very Yeah, he's still very hands-on on everything that goes on there, all the farming um, and the lives of the, of the people that live there and work there. Um, so they're, they're very involved, I think, in every state um, that, that they live on and run. Um, so I have met the Queen. I met her at school. Um, she came to, uh, I can't remember what it was now, some sort of summer fate to do something. I think we did a bit of maypole dancing for her. Mm. So, yes. Because she's got a real love for horses. We know that. And as, as you are taking people around her grounds, I thought maybe she might have seen you at some point or come to see the horses. Uh, I've got a photo on the website of Prince Charles meeting the horses uh, back in the 70s. And there's a small child sitting next to the driver. Um, he's about six. And that's my brother, who's nearly 40. So that's a <laughs> time stamp. Um, so Prince Charles came and, and met the Hackney carriage drivers, uh, one of them being my dad back in Oh yeah, eighties, I suppose. Um, so, so yes, and uh, I, I guess we probably the Queen probably has met the horses maybe at Windsor Horse Show if we were lucky to have won something. Um, so, do you, you enter competitions as well then? Uh, I don't, but my father did for many years. Yes, we take the horses down to Windsor Horse Show and go in the coaching classes with the team, which is, I think where one of that photo there might be from. Yeah. Um, on my right. And so, are you going to enter this year? No, not this year. No, we're uh, we, we'll be probably busy working on the long walk. I should think. Oh, 
it's lovely that people be, can actually come and see you because because our listeners are from all over the world and and a, a lot of our friends across the pond are, love London and what we do because we're we're draped in history and heritage and that's what you guys are doing so well is you're keeping that heritage and and you're, you're really keeping it alive I'm fascinated to know how you've done it because it can't be well one it can't be cheap because you've got to look after the horses and you've got to look after the carriages but also if you don't have tourists coming in and and using and and getting the experience then you're not getting any money that day yeah so we're hugely dependent on the tourists yeah we're hugely dependent on people visiting Windsor and people having an interest in Windsor Great Park um because that's really what we're sharing we obviously give all the history of the town and the castle um but the history of the Great Park um having grown up there and dad having grown up there we've got a lot of um stories and anecdotes as well as the history so yeah it's uh we're dependent 100% on people wanting to do that um so for people then that are quite negative about carriage riding and about quite negative about you know 2017 having horses pulling carriages you hear a lot in New York um and uh, people are saying that it's abuse but from everything that I've seen Rebecca you just completely love your horses so much they're part of the family and that is so those comments are so detrimental to your future and your family and when you have children you know they're hopefully going to take on that heritage so it must it must hurt a little bit to hear comments like that when they don't actually know you well it doesn't for me because I'm very modern thinking so I really welcome any questions when people come up to me and they'll say um you know, oh, this is cruel, that poor horse, he should be out in a field, he shouldn't be pulling a heavy carriage. You know, that's that's acceptable because that's what they're seeing. So I really love people to say that because I can take the time to educate them through it, explain it's a modern vehicle, it was built in Canada six years ago, it's got modern brakes, it's really, really light. Uh, I can get the folder out of the carriage and show them if, if I have an engineer, which I had once, who came up and started talking about weight distribution mm-hmm. versus the horse and how much they can pull. I can say, well, you know, here, here's our spreadsheets and this is what we do. And we get it. We get it checked and we get the horses vetted. Dad used to get them vetted once a year, which is what the regulations require. I get them vetted three times a year because they're my my little babies. Um, but I think all the questions that get raised are really good questions and they're questions that we should ask. Um are our towns the right place? Are heavy towns with heavy traffic the right place to have working horses? Um, is it right we should be making money out of animals in that way? They're really valid questions. Um, and I think I have really valid responses, which is we don't sit in the heavy traffic anymore. Um, Dad did do that for many, many years and my ancestors before me. And it's something that we as a business, I don't think it's right for us to sit there for four or five hours waiting for a trip. So we've we've modernised the business over the last couple coming years. So now we operate within the Great Park. We try to do uh, bookings, very, very light bookings. The horses don't work more than, I'd say, three hours a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go back um, go back 30 years, they were doing six, seven hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so every concern that the public have we have gone through and mitigated um looking at new york because they're under a lot of pressure um they've done they've done similar things um to make sure that the horses have the regular schedule for when they're having water that they're regularly vetted all our carriages are checked so it's important to have those regulations there because not everyone will approach a business like this with the love of the history and the love of the horse you know our priorities are the horse number one the comfort of the horse and the second is to share the history and heritage, um, a bit like a museum. Yeah. So you've got all these lovely artefacts. So number one, you've got all these lovely artefacts, but the best bit is getting to share them 
And if you happen to make a bit of money along the way to pay for it, then that's great. But <laughs> it doesn't always happen because it could rain all summer, no tourists come, and you've still got horses to feed um, and look after. So they're really good questions, and I hope that we carry on because we acknowledge them and will continue to modernise to make sure the horses always come number one. Well, ultimately, Rebecca, you've grown up with your horses. You know, you, well, you, you must be similar age to me, 32? 37 37 you look 32 so fine so how old Hector's 30 so no Hector's Hector's older Hector must be 35 now yeah uh he's retired now We, we can officially say he's retired but he did carry on working all the way up to last year and I still I still drive him around the field. He still is exercised. Um, I've got a little cart that I sit on and we go for a little journey around the field. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he'll still start to canter in the harness and I have to go twice around the field to calm him down because he's so excited. Um, you know, it's something he loves to do. Uh, but no, he's officially retired. He won't go back on the long walk now. The day is just a bit too long for him. Yeah. Uh, but even last year when he did go out, they were, they were going out. We, we built tours around the horses. So I think this is a really good example. So Minos and Hector, they're getting older. They still need to be exercised. The worst thing we could possibly do was just turn them out to pasture. They need to have that light exercise. Uh- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And that, I would argue, is why the horses live so long. People are surprised when they hear horses that have lived to their, you know, late their, mid-late 30s. Um, and our response as a family is it's because they've always worked lightly and not too much. Um, they don't get worked until um, they're about seven or eight. So we leave time for their, their bones to grow and they get, get strong and enjoy just being out in the field. And then we'll bring them in and start the light work. And... Hector and Minos last year we arranged our summer evening drives which were really popular where we would take people on a 40 minute to an hour drive um, from uh, Bishopsgate and Windsor Great Park um, to the Copper Horse which looks all the way down the long walk to the castle it's absolutely stunning 
And on a summer's evening, with a glass of champagne and the birds singing, going out in the carriage is absolutely wonderful. And everyone loved it. What a great idea. <laughs> what they didn't know was that we designed these trips just for Mice and Hector because it meant they were only in the carriage for 90 minutes. They could have gone longer, you know, but it meant they were doing a regular light exercise, which is what they needed. Oh, and it's worked for them and, it, and it's worked yeah. for the business as well. It sounds beautiful. It really is. It really is idyllic. The, the evening drives are, are, are one of my favourites, yeah, because the park, obviously the park's a great destination for people to come anyway, just to, to walk around and, and see see the great park. Uh, but in the evenings, yeah, it really clears out and you can imagine it feels like it would have been 150 years ago. It's very beautiful. And so you drive. Who, who else drives in the family or in the business? Uh, we all drive. Um, I, I predominantly do the driving. It's been dad predominantly uh, for the last 50 years, um, but myself for the last three. Um, and then we've got lots of lots of friends and family that come and drive with us. Um, so we only one of the other reasons we've continued so long is the amount of people that um, have helped us grooming, driving, um, all sorts. The farrier. We should thank the farrier. <laughs> Chris, he's amazing. How many horses do you have? We've got five, but we don't work every day. We work, we try and work about three days a week in the summer, um, which is comfortable across the horses. But it it depends. It depends on the weather. The weather's the main driver of how how much we'll work Mm. um, and then how the horses are. And then so what do you do in the winter then? Because then there's no rides at all in the winter. No, uh, my dad used to work year round. The winter only we, we only stopped working in the winter when the in the in Windsor town we have the guard change, which is very famous, where you see the soldiers marching through town with the band, um, and that ha- used to happen about three days a week. And in the early nineties, the carriages were stopped from going into the town when the bands were on, so that stopped. So that meant we couldn't get into town until about midday, and we'd have to leave at three because it's dark. So during the winter, it just became completely unviable to even bother. So the horses um, would just be put out um, and go on holiday. So we've continued that now. They've now changed the changing of the guard this summer. Um, it's now not at weekends. So I think if they continue that into the winter, we may well come full circle back around to being a winter business as well because we can have longer in the town. Mm. Um, but other than that, it, at the moment during the winter, the horses go out on holiday and we have uh, we do a variety of things. We have herd grazing that we do at the farm. What's that? Um, So it's becoming more popular. It's essentially where you put your horse out to pasture for a good four months, three to four months, and just let them go and be a horse. Um, So they're they're out in a big herd. Um, They're just grazing. Uh, They obviously get lots of hay. Um, But it's very popular for the polo ponies Mm. um, when they finish their summer season. Um, As a team, they'll be thrown out to the field and just go be horses. I, I, totally, I totally agree with that. I, I, I've talked frequently and I won't bang on about it today, but uh, Black Jack, my horse, was uh, put out to pasture for two years just after he was backed. And I honestly think it was the best thing for him because he Absolutely. came back much more sane. Um, yes. And he was always sensible anyway, but there was a noticeable difference. And some would argue, well, it's because he's been older, but I haven't taught him anything. He's just been allowed to breathe his mind's been allowed to breathe and just be a horse yeah yeah yeah. it's really good for them it's really good for them it it happens quite often if they've had an injury and we need to just sort of let let them get go right but um allowing a horse to grow up um can have a big impact yeah so so okay are there have there recently been any new horses that you've taken on 
Uh, yes, we had, uh, we've got Tim and Saracen, our youngest, our babies we've brought on. Um, they've yet to make an appearance on the long walk. Um, Tim is doing really well. He drives very well. Um, but Saracen is going through the needs to grow up stage. So he's, uh, he's been chucked out for the last, uh, gosh, when did we put him out? Last March. Um, we put him out so he's um he's growing up <laughs> and then uh, we'll bring him in in the spring and put and start um, bringing him on and that kind of work that's going to take a, a long time for you and I guess a lot of patience a lot of helping him through dealing with people and dealing with going to busy places and and learning how to be calm because you can't afford to have a horse that's spooking when you've got passengers in the back I mean yes. goodness me health and safety would just have a field day <laughs> yeah absolutely so it, it, it takes time every horse is different um the older horses had the, the benefit of pony club can't speak highly enough about pony club um uh, they they grew up that way by going to pony club and becoming star ponies um and then the driving was natural because we got got through all the spooks um tim and saracen haven't got a pony club to go to so it's just a matter of uh building trust with them really um tim's absolutely fantastic i've got a great i've built a fantastic bond with him so i know that um Wherever we're going, you can see a crisp packet or a tractor or a puddle or whatever it might be, um, and I can just talk to him and, and move him through. Um, so Saracen, it's just about building trust with him, yeah. Do you do you ride them? Yes, yeah. Riding's the best thing, really, for the spooks um, because, well, for Sam, for example, um, every season for us begins with me riding Sam. It's part of getting him fit. It takes about six weeks to get him um, fit, fit enough for, as up, the standard that I'm happy with for the mm. carriage. Um, so it started riding him um, and I'll ride him the routes that we do on the carriage and until I can get him to go the whole way around trotting without sweating I know yeah he's fit enough. Never thought of that because um, I guess you're doing a lot of trotting when you're pulling the carriage. Yeah and it's another it's another good point about um, perception about carriage driving you know horses sweating um, is a natural thing it happens happens when they drive but it's something that the public see and think oh that poor horse you know he's mm. sweating he's uncomfortable so um, it's something we make sure that the horses are, are fit enough um, we don't ask them to do too much so they don't start sweating because it just looks bad so we try and stick to just walking and trotting them and making sure they're, they're fit enough with the best one in the world Rebecca Blackjack only walks and trots lately and he's still sweating anyway so <laughs> you know a horse is going to sweat but ultimately you are making sure that they're fit enough and that's that's yeah, so important we do our best I'd never to get them even... super super fit I'd never even thought that all that planning, preparation, training, there's so much that goes into into the horse welfare. And it's really nice to hear. It's really reassuring because we yeah. hear so much negativity. And that's half the reason why I wanted to talk to you. Just say, that. tell us the truth. What really goes on? Because we hear so much rubbish sometimes, you know, ban the carriages and stop doing this. And for some for some people maybe that have carriages maybe you know not everybody's perfect and maybe they do need somebody to go and have a word with them and remind them how we should be looking after horses after yeah. looking after horses but um it's nice to know that the ones in our heart of uh, the uk are flying yeah well, we're, we're a nation of horse lovers aren't we so i i would i would support anyone if they ever see a horse that they think you know same as in your in the riding world if you ever see a horse that you think oh something wrong you know, go to the go to the local council uh, because they've got the regulations for, for the carriages and for the riding yards, etc. Or go to the RSPCA. Mm. Uh, don't hesitate. Can you tell me more about Tim and Saracen? How old are they? Uh, Tim and Saracen are uh, they are nine and ten. And are they, are uh, they related? Dogs. Yeah, they're four brothers. 
uh, Welsh cobs. Yeah, we've always had Welsh cobs. They're a good driving breed. They're nice and um, nice and calm temperament, and they're built very well for carriage driving. They're fifteen two. So what so made you go boys. for a Welsh breed rather than the traditional Frisian or Gelderlander type horses? Well, Frisian and Gelderlanders aren't traditional, traditional. They're what we're accustomed to now. But Hackney carriage horses would, would, would traditionally be whatever horse you could get your hands on, to be honest, mm. um, going back many, many years. Uh, but Welsh cobs, gosh, they've been carriage horses for a long time. They're just a good breed. Uh, Frisians and Gelderlanders are very, very popular in uh, competition driving now and show driving because they look so beautiful. They've got the, the hackney heads high in the air, mm. um, whereas Welsh cobs don't, don't have that look. So the Frisians and Gelderlanders are traditionally used now because they look good in the carriage. Uh, the Welsh cobs traditionally have been used for, for us because they're more sturdier, calmer temperament for the type of work that we do. And they've got a lot of strength, I'm presuming, because they need to be strong. Yes, yeah, really, really strong. So much like the Shires, uh, you'll see Shires um, doing uh, carriage trips um, in England as well because they're a good, good, strong breed and good, calm temperament. So that's what you look for rather than the, the showy look. I own a Frisian. I like the showy look. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I, lo- I love it. I just yeah. can't help it. He's got such a beautiful mane. And, the, the, and- the biggest problem I have that of people, comp- we've never had any complaints really about the carriages, but regularly I'll get, oh, Sam, you look so unhappy. Oh. People say that to me all the time because the way Welsh cobs drive, I don't know if you see from those pictures, but they drive with their head, like like they're in the field with their heads down, you mm-hmm. know, like a normal horse. But people are so used to seeing carriages with Frisian Gelderlanders with their heads are up that. They think that's happy. Mm, and when the horse is pulling naturally when they're naturally pulling a load uh their heads are low and people think they're unhappy but to Um, to me though a a horse that has his head low um would mean that he's stretched out and relaxed across his back which is what you need whilst i'm spending hours each week (laughs) trying to teach blackjack to lower his head because when he gets nervous he holds it up he tightens his muscles and he's all tense and and actually that isn't the right way if you see a horse that's got his head up too high he's just under a lot of pressure trying to trying to pull or maybe he's tense yeah. or whatever there's loads of reasons but but long and low is what i've been had drilled into my you want to get him in a carriage there you go you want to get him in a carriage he'll be using a really natural muscle muscle group it'll calm him down it'll give him <laughs> something to think about because he's having to think about the carriage and think about the pulling and going up hills going down hills it's a uh, it's, it's good work for them it keeps them interested can i send him to you how big is he Sixteen <laughs> one. 16-1. What colour is he? Do you say he's black? He's black, yeah. Oh, yes, I think he'd be perfect. <laughs> I, I think I think he would be ideal. He does just, sound lovely, yeah. I'm just not brave enough to put a carriage on him or I don't try a bit of long lining. Well, you yeah, you don't start with the carriage, yeah. It's, it takes a, we, we've got the log, the famous log, which nearly got put on a bonfire last summer and my dad went absolutely apoplectic. Where was the log? And people <laughs> looking at us like we were completely crazy. And I had to say, it's a very important log. It's the log we use for breaking that we've had for, you know, decades that we'd sit on as children. When when they got used to having the log and the sound of pulling something, we'd sit on it to increase the weight. Yeah. You know, you get it gradual, gradual, and then we'd move them on to other things. But we found the log. So the log is very important in uh, teaching them to drive. That sounds so much fun. What a cool yeah. childhood you had. Um, where do you go then? Because I heard you needed to start with a long line. Uh, yeah, two reins either side Um, and then when you've got them used to kind of being out by themselves really which he's not very good at being by himself he likes to have somebody either stood by him or in front of him Um, so from the long lines then do you then go onto the log 
Well, the the log is to teach them um, about about pulling the weight and hearing that sounds. But but before you do that, way before you do that, you've got to build that trust. You've got to get them to be listening to you because you've got to think about driving as less about driving as in a car. So don't think when you drive a car, you move into a carriage and you've got reins. Just try and break that connection completely. You're not driving a horse. You're you're telling the horse where to go and what to do. It's all about your voice. So in what we do, the reins really are a very light indicator, right right or left or, or, or stop, but there's barely, barely any tension on those reins at all. It's not like when you're riding where you want to have contact all the time. Mm. Um, it's the complete opposite. Um, so in Minos and Hector, legendary, you could just hold the buckle of the rein and tell them, come right, go left, walk on, stop. They do absolutely everything all by voice. And that's really the goal to get the horse comfortable in the carriage and trusting you to be listening to where you're going uh well at least that's our our family way of doing it i'm sure there are <laughs> there are, I'm sure there are lots of various ways um but yeah that's how we do it so long running is good talking to them um just long running and getting to listen to you getting them to stop and start stop and start so you you can feel that connection that they are listening to you um and then gradually, yeah, with the log. But uh, you never want to just immediately attach something to them. So we have a we have a mechanism where it attaches to the traces, which goes from the, the point of shoulder back to the log. But we have someone walking by their head and at their tail, and they're holding a part of the mechanism. So um, if if they're not happy, um, they can release it, and the log will immediately release. So you've not got Clever. a horse suddenly galloping off. So it's really about the comfort. But normally when you get to that stage to put the log on them, um, sounds terrible, doesn't it, the log on them? But they're just no, pulling the log. I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anything, tyres are popular as well. Just something because – and make sure you've got the blinkers on them. Blinkers are really, really important because why, they can why? see Because they can see it. They can see the horse's eye. They can see all the way back there. Um, so if they were – if they didn't have those on, because of their fight, flight or – Fight or flight – Fight or fight. Um, because of that instinct in them, if they start moving and they see the tire or the log moving, their instinct is going to say, Whoa, get going, gallop, get away from it. And then the more, the faster they go, the faster that goes. It can, it can really, really affect them. Um, so that's so, why they have the blinkers on then. It's not so that they can't pe- see people so much to their right or left. It's so that they can't see the thing behind. Yeah, it's a, it's all of that. I mean, they can see the whole way through, so it, it keeps them focused. It keeps them happy in their line of sight. But you're making sure that you can only see what they can only see what you can see. Mm. And that doesn't. When you first put blinkers on a horse, do they act more spooky because of that? Because they don't really know what's going on around them. No, no, not that I've seen. Um, they're quite happy. I mean, the moment you're doing this, you've got them all very well handled and trusting you anyway. So they're sort of quite interested in what's going on. Um, if you if you're feeling they're spooky in that way and you're you're a bit worried, then just stop. Just take your time. You're not in any rush. There's no no pressure to get the, you know a horse in a carriage. It's a wonderful thing to do. It's a lovely. Um, you know, it's a lovely thing to do. Riding horses is fantastic, but driving them is even better because it's so much easier. You just is get it? to sit down. <laughs> and when you get really good, you can have a bit of cake and a cup of coffee, um, you know, as you're doing it. Uh, not to be advised on roads, but uh, yeah, it's a lovely, <laughs> lovely way to do it. Don't um, drink and drive, Rebecca. <laughs> no, drink and drive. Uh, the old coffee's okay. Um, have you ever had any moments of, of kind of panic when, you know, a horse maybe hasn't listened to you so much? Um, well, it, ha- it happens. Um, you know, when we go through the deer park, Sam can be a little bit interested in what the deer are doing. Yeah. Uh, but they, 
once once they get to a point of driving commercially no um, well, no, they always... can't at that point, yeah, surely, yeah. because you've got the risk. So I'm sure you've got a, a folder that's thick <laughs> as anything with rules and regulations. Just always prepared for the unexpected. Um, you know, it can always happen, but you always have a groom on. So if ever you're concerned or you think something might spook them. Um, so, yes, we've had a child on a on a tricycle looking at the horses um, and we see it coming. So we stop the carriage and I go to get down um, and in often I'll get get to them before they make contact but we had one a few years ago that carried on pedaling underneath the horse's <gasps> nose underneath the pole oh. yeah yeah oh my so gosh prepared for anything. obviously it shows how brilliant the horses are because they just stand there and think oh there's a child there <laughs> um well they're they're you know the horses are quite good aren't they because kids you know kids are kids and they get all over the place but the fact that you, you know your boys stood there and stood strong it's the dogs and the deer I think that's what I'd be worried about because some are you allowed dogs in the park in the deer park you are allowed dogs but they have to be on a lead okay. um but it's still a it's still an issue um because the dog instinct comes out um, and they just want to chase the horses, especially when we're trotting at a fast pace home. Um, so, yeah, we have to be be, be aware of um, dogs breaking leashes, um, and we just deal with it. We just have have the procedures in place. You're there you. with your whip, like, sadly, flinging it round in, in the air. Yeah. Stay away. Rebecca, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah, no, it has. It's been really lovely to hear your to hear your story and just to get a little insight into your family and your history and your world and what you do. Um, you know, we all we all have different relationships with our horses and we all have different journeys and they have different jobs, whatever it may, may be. We mm-hmm. might go eventing or we might do dressage or we might just want one as a companion and we have a little, you know, Shetland that keeps us company. Whatever it is, we've all got a different relationship and it's been really lovely to hear your relationship through the history and through your family with your horses. So thank you for sharing it with us. I, I'm really grateful. Well, thank you for being interested interested in the in the, the little the little company with its long history. Well, one day I'd love to come and visit if possible. I would love you to. I'd love you to do a podcast from the carriage because uh, it's a beautiful atmosphere of hearing the horses' hooves as they walk walk down the long walk with the sound of the iron tires on on the gravel. It's a, it's a beautiful beautiful sound and beautiful experience I would absolutely love to well we'll have a competition next week where you can enter online just by retweeting and sharing the post and following Windsor Carriages on Twitter and then you can come with me and we'll go and spend uh, the afternoon with Rebecca and her beautiful horses at her stables and we'll go and see Hector and um, and then we can go for a lovely carriage ride along the the long walk the iconic long walk. That would be amazing. <laughs> so we'll actually do the ride in June, but you can enter next week. So you can get in there early. And and how can we follow you on Twitter, Rebecca? So we go by the handle horse drawn taxi. Perfect. That's what um that's what dad would call it. That's Aww. technically what it, what we are, horse drawn taxi. Uh we're on Instagram as well, at horse, horse drawn taxi. Facebook is Windsor Castle Carriage Tours. Lovely. And, and a quick um, reminder of your website address. Website is www.windsorcarriages.co.uk. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And You're we'll, we'll uh, take part in the competition next week. And we will catch up with you very, very soon. Well, I'll be with you in person. So um, I'll bring the coffee if you bring the biscuits. Lovely. Wonderful. Lovely thanks to talk so to much, you. Thank Rebecca. you. See you. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, you can hear the top female eventer at Rio 2016 at the Olympics. And that was Rebecca Howard. So she joins us next week to share her time and her experience of being at Rio. And the fact that she's moved over to the UK now and she's based herself at Lucinda Frederick's yard. So we'll be seeing a lot more of her over here. And Rebecca's kind enough to share some of her advice and some tips and techniques that she uses and also a bit of her history and her story too so that's next week on the horse hour podcast you can get loads of information and education on our website if you just head to horsehour.co.uk just type in any question at all and it could be on laminitis it could be on what to feed your horse it could be something to do with training and then the article will come up on our education hub for you and then really really exciting is we have just released the first ever horse hour dressage music podcast and it means that you get pre-made dressage music downloaded directly to your mobile phone so you can also get that on our website horsehour.co.uk each month we'll be creating a new competition piece for you which you can take to any british dressage competition or you can just have a go at home and just start riding to music and having a little bit of fun and nick who has produced the music for us has also put together 25 minutes of training wheels so what he does is he talks you through the moves and counts you down to the beats as well so if you like me and and just want to have a practice with different styles of music to trot to or different styles to canter to then nick actually talks us through that so i hope you enjoy the new horse hour dressage music podcast please give me your feedback i love your emails team at horsehour.co.uk if you've got anything you want me to talk about on the podcast any guests that you'd like on then send me an email or of course you can tweet us at horse hour i'm at amy stevenson one and we're on instagram and facebook I'm, I'm on there all the time so send me any questions or any comments or any feedback anytime i hope you have a really good week with your horse and i'll speak to you soon you've been listening to horse hour join the community on twitter mondays 8 p.m uk time 3 p.m eastern by using the hashtag horse hour follow amy at amy stevenson one and subscribe to us on acast itunes stitcher and player fm imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.